Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. As we were worshiping, and when I first walked up here, I just, um, I felt this over and over and over in me, and I, maybe this is more than one person, maybe this is for somebody, um, but you have, you have rolled a word around in you lately, and the word is why. Why is this going in this direction, or why isn't this going in this direction, or why isn't this changing, or why isn't this unfolding, or this why question. And um, I think God's big enough to ask or question why, but don't get stuck there. Uh, And I feel like I'm supposed to tell you this. Psalms 102 says this, that there is a set time for the favor of God. And if you do not let your why become a stumbling block, um, the favor of God will will, will make your situation distinct. He will open doors. He will... Um, come through, he will um, fix, he will mend, he will break you through. And the favor of God, it can look like nothing's working in your favor for long periods of time, and and you can let the circumstances around you um, intimidate you, frustrate you, um, or you can let the favor of God motivate you. So keep an expectancy out there because what seems like forever when the favor moves only takes a moment. I'm telling you, it only takes a moment to mend, redeem, replace, uh, rewind, um, catapult. Amen? Yes. Did someone need to hear that? Let me see. Just let me know. Okay. Good. I'm at the right church tonight. Okay. Um, let's, let's pray for a moment. God, I thank you for um, First Wednesday. I thank you that we can just come here, uh, the environment's more casual than a Sunday morning, and we can just, we can grab a hold of your words tonight, and I pray that you help me just um, teach what I really want, feel like you want me to say tonight, that we'd be able to take this in and make this into application in our lives. Amen. 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 So... I just want to talk to you for a few moments and go back to worship, and we have um, donuts and coffee tonight. We will jack you up on sugar and send you home. <laughs> to be real honest with you, um, we started, do you guys like the connection we do on First Wednesday? Isn't it, isn't it cool? Um, the first week, uh, we actually um, did all of the food before the service, and Jen came to me and said, can we not give the kids sugar before service? Let's do it before they go home. So that's why we moved all that to after service. Anyways, that was, that was a good idea. Um, how many have noticed um, there's a lot going on in our world, in our country? I, I would call it this. I think we have a culture crisis right now. I think we have a, a crisis in our culture. And if you uh, noticed the last few weeks in church news, I said I wanted to take some time tonight before you go to the polls next week to just talk about a few things. And so um, I really said, God, I don't want to share my opinion because I have a lot of political opinions. I'm sure you do too. But I said, God, I just want to, I want to share your opinion with everyone on Wednesday night so um, they will be comforted, encouraged, and, and, and challenged. Uh, because I think we have a lot, of, a lot of the church world that um, 
in some ways we don't know what to think or how to act, or sometimes we're thinking and acting wrong. And so I want this to help you tonight. So it'd be a good night to absorb, take notes, and all that. But I do believe we're in a, in a, a crisis in our culture right now. And there's some different crises. crises. Is that how you say it? Crises? Crises? <laughs> Happening. Um, and I know you know these. So I, I put some down as I was thinking about this. There, there's an economic crisis right now. I won't get started, but what's unfortunate is most of it is self-induced. Um, inflation, gas prices, food prices, etc. There, there's a real economic crisis. Um, we've been going through a health crisis, the pandemic. Um, there's a safety crisis. We're defunding police. Crime is spiking. Uh, I know you've seen all this on the news. There's, there's, there's a race crisis right now. We're more divided than we have ever been when we shouldn't be in 2022, but, but we are. There's a humanity crisis with all the problems with immigration on the border. Um, there's a real moral crisis with the transgender movement and, and those movements, especially how it's affecting the school systems. Um, I put this down. There's a confidence crisis. Here's what I mean by this. When uh, we begin to get censored, and lied to by governing officials, we have a, we have a, a crisis uh, of confidence in trusting those people that are leading us, which really is a leadership crisis. And we have a spiritual crisis. I think there's a spiritual crisis with a lot of God's people. And some of it's not just because of what is happening in the world, it's how we've chosen to respond to some of it. So I wanted to just give tonight a simple title, and I just wanted to call it this, discerning the times. Now, this is not an end times message. When, um, if you want to hear a good end times message, uh, go search our YouTube, search our, our online, our, our, our website. I did a message about, I don't know if it was called discerning this time, something about what in the world's going on right now. I think it was September. Go watch that. Speaker was great. He'll fire you up. So, so in the Bible, there are some different words for the word time. I'm not going to try to pronounce those words, but I'll just give you some idea of what those words mean. One word for time means the, the, basically means eternal time. Or, or um, we can say it this way, um, time in relationship to eternity. Another word for time in the Bible is another word of saying the passage of age. So we go from one age to the next. And, and to, to let you know that, are we in the end times? We are more than in the end times. We are in the final age of the end times. Because this world will never end. We'll, the age changes, the Bible says. And we're, we're going to go from the church age into the final sliver of, of, of time. So there's this idea of eternity. There's this idea of um, the normal passage of age or time. There's also this idea of opportune set time, opportune things happening. Then there's this idea of a specific now moment. So we say, then what do you mean? Which time is it? I, I think to discern the time is all of those. We have to be able as believers to discern the times in relationship to eternity and the end times, in relationship to the passing of age. We have to be able to discern um, a now moment. We have to be able to, to discern 
um, an opportune time. So all of those words for time, I believe as believers, we need to discern. Make sense? And I do believe we can do that because we're believers and, and we have the word of God. So in the church news video, I said, with everything going on in the world around us, how are we supposed to, what are we supposed to believe? How are we supposed to feel? And what are we supposed to do? And I tried to take that question that I said and just build some thoughts around that tonight. And I want to challenge you with these because I believe, um, I know I always speak in threes, but I, I think there are these three really vital challenges or responsibilities that the church needs to respond to right now. These are three responsibilities you and I need to take as the church. Y'all ready? Yes. I got, a, I got a, a scripture. This is Jesus. This is um, Matthew chapter 10. This is verse 16. And the Bible says this. Jesus said, I am sending you like lambs into a pack of wolves. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Um, so you need to be as wise as snakes and as innocent as doves. Sometimes we read things in the Bible and we just wax over them because, you know, okay, Jesus, what, what are you saying to us? So I want to pick that scripture apart and, and give you guys some stuff to, to lean on tonight, okay? So I call them life points. So here's my challenges. Out of that scripture, there are three challenges applicable to you and me as the church in this hour right now. And number one is this, and I want to challenge you with this, is you and I need to stay full of courage. I know it's Wednesday night. You had a long day. Help me out. Say amen. Okay. You and I, as the church, right now, as believers, we need to stay full of courage. Elbow somebody and say he's talking to you. Right? We need to stay full of courage. Not half full. We need to be full of courage. You say, why? Because Jesus said it. I'm sending you into wolf country. I'm sending you into hostile territory. How many would agree with me as a believer in 2022, hard to believe, but in the United States of America, it's hostile toward us right now. It is hostile toward the church right now. So what do we have to do? What's our response? Our response is you and I stay full of courage, full of courage. Make up your mind. I've made up my mind as the leader of this church. We will not be canceled or censored. Thank you. Vote for me. I appreciate that. But, but, but I want you to get that inside of you. I, I, my family, my beliefs, my passion for Jesus, my walk with Jesus, I will not be canceled or censored. Now, that, that's not permission just to run rebelliously. That's just, that needs to be your motto. And the only way that you and I can do that is to stay full of courage. Because it's easy, to, it's easy to clap about that sitting in here in this comfortable church environment. But sometimes when the pressure's on or certain places that you are around certain, certain things, we still have to make up our mind that we're going to stay full of courage. Now, I, I love the word courage because I think some people misunderstand courage. Some people think it's a personality trait. Some people are just bolder. Some people are just louder. It has nothing to do with that. I believe it's a trait of the Holy Spirit. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, um, that, that's why we get full of the Holy Spirit. It's not to speak in tongues. That's just evidence. It's to be full of what? Boldness. 
And I'm telling you, what changes or what grabs the attention of the world around us is our boldness. That means people can tell you've been with Jesus. When you have a boldness to your life, it's a trait of the Holy Spirit. It's not a personality trait. It, you can be a reserved person and be very bold, very, very courageous. So it is a, it's a spirit trait, a trait of the Holy Spirit. I believe it comes from a spirit of faith, right? Because if you have courage, what is that? I, I have a spirit of faith. I believe in my heart. I confess out of my mouth. The things I believe in my mouth, I'm willing to say. That's, that's, a, that's a trait of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a spirit of, of, of faith. And, and really what courage is, it's just the willingness to stand for what you believe in, no matter the resistance, no matter the pain, no matter the grief, no matter the challenge, no matter the uncertainty. Courage is just standing for what you know to be true. And I will tell you that when you know what the truth is, you will stand. If you don't know truth, it's not worth standing for. But man, when you know something is true, it gives you courage. I love this. Andrew Jackson said this. He said, one man with courage is a majority. One man or woman with courage is a majority. And I wanted to give you a scripture to go along with that. And I love in the book of Acts, shortly after they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were meeting together frequently. Uh, they, they were put on trial for miracles that were still happening. And I love Acts chapter 4. And it says this. They, they were, they were, the, got the followers of Jesus, they were, they were put on, on trial for miracles that were happening, for their faith, for their courage. And they said this. This was their prayer. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us and empower us. I, did you notice they didn't pray for him to go away? God, please take the resistance away. Please take, they said, Lord, you, you, you hear their threats, so empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and what? Courageously. What they prayed for is not less pressure, but more what? Boldness. So what you and I should pray for right now is not for less resistance, but for more what? Boldness. I would tell you this, if there was no, and there's some things that, you know, that could be fearful around us, but if there was no fear, there's no need for courage. So I believe that born again, spirit-filled believers ought to be the most courageous people on the planet right now. I will tell you that there's a lot of foolishness in our country. Every day there's something more foolish. I feel smarter and smarter every day, y'all. But when you are moved and you know and you're intimate with the truth, being Jesus, that is a moving factor to just be bolder. That's what the world needs. Let me read on. So, so this was their prayer. Let, God, let us speak the word of God more freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your son, Jesus. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. That's why I said it's a Holy Spirit thing. You ought to pray this prayer. God, stretch out your hand, empower me, let signs and wonders happen through me. Don't make me quiet, more quiet, make me more bold. 
And it has nothing to do with you're more of an introvert or more of an extrovert. That ought to be your prayer assignment. I'll give it to you. For the next 21 days, that, isn't that what it takes to create a habit? Just pray, God, stretch out your hand through me, do miracles through me, and make me bolder. You know why boldness? Because boldness is the opposite of intimidation. That's absolutely what has happened to our country and the church over the last couple of years, intimidation. So is the answer, God, please take away the intimidation? No, the answer is, God, make me bolder. Because here's what I believe. When you get bolder, God manifests in your boldness. He manifests in your boldness. He manifests in your faith. Amen. Now, Jesus went on to say something. He said, I'm sending you out into wolf country, into hostile territory. That's true, the hour we're in. So we need to stay full of courage. Then he said this. He said, so be wise as snakes. Be wise as snakes. Now, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're, their lingo is different than ours today. So I started really diving into that. And you know what was really being said by, by Jesus? He said, as you go out into hostile territory, you have to discern the times. That's really what it means. You have to be able to discern the times. Discern the territory that you're in. Discern what's going on. And discernment is a word we throw around in the church world. But I, I wanted to unpack it for you tonight. And here's literally what, what the word discern means. It means that you're able to understand the times and know what to do. So Jesus said, I'm sending you into a hostile territory and you've got to be able to discern the time. In other words, you will need to be able to understand the times and know what to do. Or you will need to be able to distinguish the seasons. It means this, become thoughtful, prudent, don't be naive. You need to scrutinize, and I love this, you need to be able to separate one thing from another. Wow, isn't that true for now? We need to be able to separate one thing from another. Why do we need to do that? And why would Jesus say that? Because there's a lot of ignorance. That doesn't mean people are ignorant. It just means there's just a lot of ignorance with some people to what's going on in our country, in our world, right? Ignorance. How about this? There's a lot of misinformation. Let me use a different word. Disinformation. This is why you and I need to discern the time. We need, to, we need to be able to separate these things, distinguish these things, not be naive about them. Not only is there misinformation and disinformation, there are just outright lies. And there, there is an agenda. So we need to stay, number one, full of courage. And number two, we need to stay full of conviction. Thank you for your amens. Courage. And then we need to stay full of conviction. Why? Because there is an onslaught, an attack, I believe a strategy against the word of God in this day, in this hour. There's an attack against the word of God. Um. It, it's happening in politics, it's happening in the media, it's even happening in the different ranks of the church world. I've been dis disappointed 
And some people I know in, in the church world that have really watered down the Word of God to fit culture. It won't fit culture. It just won't fit culture. It's not supposed to fit culture. It's a culture in itself. It's kingdom culture. We're trying to fit the kingdom culture into secular culture. It won't work. It's made to change secular culture. So we need to stay full of conviction. Now, when I say conviction, I don't, because sometimes we get judgmental. That's not what conviction, conviction shouldn't make you judgmental with others. But we need to have a conviction. Because what's happening in the world around us is they're trying to relegate the Bible to the story about God. Or our interpretation of God. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's the will of God. It's the way of God. We don't relegate it to a story about a God. We don't relegate it to a, an interpretation for man. It'll stand on its own. It is the Word of God. And this is a bold statement, but if we nullify and relegate the Word of God to a story or a narrative about God, it's actually denying the Word. And denying the Word of God is the absolute same thing as denying Jesus, because Jesus is the Word of God. So we really need to make sure, and I'm challenging me and you, and whoever wants to listen, <laughs> We need to stay full of courage, and we need to stay full of conviction. Because there, there is the world, the culture, and just let me say this. The stuff you're seeing in culture, stop being shocked by it. I'm not going to tell you stop being angry about it, because you should be righteously angry about it. But don't be shocked. This is how the world rolls. It's... When you have an unrenewed mind, you just have foolishness. Aren't you glad your mind's being, being renewed? Yeah. Or you would think the same way as some of the world, as the world thinks. But so don't be overly shocked by how the world thinks. Because the world, when I say the world, you understand what I'm saying? Culture, society, there's something missing in culture. That we know to be true. That there is an absolute standard of truth. There is absolute truth. See, when you water the word down and negate the word of God, what you negate is absolute truth. You make it relative instead of absolute. Which means every... The Bible says this. He said the, the Bible says that the scripture of God is without error. It's, the Bible says that the, that the scripture is, in, is inspired by God. That, but if you study that out, here's what it means. That God breathed so heavy and so hard on the writers that they couldn't write anything but what God was breathing on them. Now, when you translate to different languages, some of the emphasis of the words are a little different, right? 
But the word of God is without error. We have to know that it is absolute. It has worked. It still works. And it will work no matter who is in office or what's going on around us. Now, I, I want to say a couple of things that will make, make you want to itch your brain. We live in a country where the word of God is still extremely prevalent. I mean, how many of you, we used to say things like this, how many of you have multiple Bibles in your house? But even at that, how many of you have access online to multiple versions of the Bible? That's an amazing thing. But to have that much truth, now listen to me, that much truth, and statistics say that only 31% of American Christians have a true biblical world perspective. Right? So we got Bibles everywhere. I can pull my phone out of my pocket. I can pull it up on my watch. But yet, only 31% of us, not you guys, or not, not the first Wednesday crowd, the rest of them, have an accurate worldview, world Bible view. Now, uh, listen to what I'm going to say. Just, just soak this in. I can't tell you why this is, but there's something about this. God gave us truth to increase our wisdom, our discernment, and our insight. Right? Gave us the word of God to increase our insight, our wisdom, our discernment. You and I need to be in the word of God more than when I stick scriptures on this screen on Sunday. Just stick with me. This statistic will, I, I, this statistic is just incredible. They say that if you're reading the Bible one, two, to three days a week, you don't see a lot of change. But when you read it four days, there is a dramatic spike in difference. I don't know why that is. I don't know what's special about that number, but there's something about you consistently being in the Word of God. And things happen. That they, this is statistics. When you're reading it, the, now that doesn't mean just read it four. You should read it more than four. But reading it one to three times a week, they say, isn't showing a whole lot of change. But there's something that happens when you read it the fourth day. I don't know why that is. I'm not sure the, the survey knows why. I would just say this. We need to be taking in the word of God so we'll stay convicted. And when that happens, they say that depression goes down. It literally drops. Let me see if I can see here if I wrote this down. Loneliness, anger, and bitterness drop even bitterness and marital relation drops almost 40 to 50% when you read the Bible the fourth day. Alcohol, pornography addictions drop over 60%. And sharing your faith drump, jumps 200%. All because you read the Bible more than three days a week. So I assume one of those days is when it's on the screen on Sunday. So that means two other days we're reading the Bible. To have a strong conviction and to stay full of conviction, there's something about reading it that fourth day. And I assume when you read it the fifth day, 
statistics are even better. And if you read it, the sixth day and maybe the seventh day, it's off the charts. Let's see if I can get this right. My friend Steve Munn says all these crazy things. And he says this. He says, what is it he says? Seven days without the word makes one week. W-E-A-K. Did I say that right? Okay. He said, you need to eat more truth and prevent, or eat more word and prevent truth decay. Is that how he says it? Yeah. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no revelation, the real scripture the, the, in the, real, in the um, exact language says, where there is no divine revelation of God, what happened? People cast off their restraints. They become apathetic. But blessed is the one who heeds the wisdom of the word of God. So we need revelation from the word of God. Amen? 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 So we need a conviction. So we need, to be, we need to stay full of courage. And we need to stay full of conviction. And I wanted to throw this in there. I, I, I've said this more than once to you guys. And you guys know this, but I'm, I'm going to throw this out there before I get to the last thing that Jesus said. Um, I believe if you are a believer, you should vote. You should vote. But I do believe this, that you should vote with a biblical conviction. Not a gender bias, not a race bias, not a party bias, not a demographic bias, not an economic or personality bias. You need to vote with a biblical bias, a biblical conviction. And I believe there are these, these few things that when we vote, this should determine how we vote. Not just because it's a party or a personality or there are certain gender or there are certain race. These are things we need to protect. And we haven't had enough conviction on these things, so we haven't voted right with these things. Number one, we should always vote to protect the sanctity of life. Abortion is the number one killer in the world now. And our vote should be for those who will protect the sanctity of life. Our vote should protect the sanctity of marriage. That is one man and one woman. Our vote should protect the sanctity of worship. What happened the last few years? Shut down the churches. We were just talking in the green room with the band. There's, there's a really good church that we're all scratching our head. They are still not open for church. And we're like, well, why, why? I don't know all the reasons, so I don't want to sound judgmental. But I, we couldn't figure out why. It's, and it's, it's a good church. I do believe at first, you know, the reason we did it was to help protect the community. But then it was obvious that there was something more than that. You know, they have talked about it in legislation um, with the gas prices to um, not, not let you drive on Sundays. Well, why would they not want you driving on Sundays? So you can't go to church. So what do you do? Well, two things. We have online and we'll have church on Saturday if we have to, right? We'll just, we'll keep having church. But, but we have to protect the sanctity of worship. Um, how about this? We have to protect the sanctity of God's people. That's not just the church. That's Israel. 
And lastly, we need to protect the sanctity of Scripture. When we vote, I'm talking about this, this is how we discern. we got to stay full of courage, and we have to stay full of conviction. We have to have a conviction that abortion is murder. We have to have a conviction that the Word of God is the Word of God. We have to have a conviction that the Word of God says that don't neglect assembling together. The Bible says when you see the days approaching, and it says this, that we need to be there so we can inspire and encourage each other. This is, this is a, we have to have a conviction about the church in Israel. We need to have a conviction that marriage is one man and one woman. These are biblical convictions that you and I need to have. Now, li- listen to this. I'll, I'll put a couple things down here I want to say. Um, if you don't believe in God, it's not that you don't believe in nothing. It's that you'll believe in anything. That's why you need a conviction. Abraham Lincoln said this, my concern is not whether God's on our side. My concern is that we're on God's side because God's side is always right. So Jesus said, I'm sending you into hostile territory. So we got to be full of courage. And he said, you need to be as wise as a serpent, which means we need to be able to discern the times. And the last thing Jesus said was that you need to be as innocent as doves. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying we not only need to be full of courage, we not only need to be full of conviction, that we need to stay full of compassion. Everybody say compassion. Full of compassion. It literally means this. Be humble without being taken advantage of. Be humble without being taken advantage of. And I put this down because I, I want to I really address this with you. That what the church needs to do is is to love responsibly. To love responsibly. And there is a reason that I say that. Because um, culture says this. If you agree with me, you love me. If you contradict me, you hate me. So you have to allow and tolerate my indulgence. True biblical love means I can disagree with you, but I love you. The world can't comprehend that. Here's why the world can't comprehend that. They have never experienced true love from Jesus. So real love, because this is, I'll call it the love card. There are a lot of churches misguided when it comes to love. We need to love people. That's, how, that's what Jesus does. He loves people through us. But we don't compromise our conviction, and we do not compromise the truth in the name of love. Real compassion is to have a a move. Jesus said he was moved in his bowels with compassion. What he was saying, if you read in that scripture, he said he was moved because he saw people who were harassed. It literally means they were, their hair was pulled out and they were thrown to the ground. And right after that, Jesus said he was so moved with compassion because he realized that they were like sheep without shepherds. What he was saying was they are like people that, I, that I'm not able to shepherd and they're not people who are in church with a shepherd that's leading and guiding them. Jesus said he was moved. So love means we have compassion for people. Because they're lost. But that doesn't mean we compromise the truth, our conviction, or our standard. We don't change scripture 
to be relevant to love someone. We love somebody because of the love of Jesus. I've watched friends in ministry missing this right now. They're buying into programs and policies that the far left is selling, and they're compromised in their church. And I've been surprised at some of them. I'm not going to give you a list, but I've been surprised. In the name of love and to be relevant, I want you to know that the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance, not the watering down of Scripture. Ephesians says this, Ephesians 4.15. It says, speak the truth in what? In love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head, that's Jesus. A mature body, a mature church is able to do what? Speak truth, speak it in love. um, I'll tell you something else that frustrates me. I will tell you that I do think that until lately, the church hasn't been really who the church could be. But you and I need to be really careful when we hear people destroy the church with their words. The church isn't this, and the church not doing this, because the church is the bride of Jesus. And we have to be very, very aware when we hear that. I've heard on some Christian TV shows. Because it's still the bride of Jesus. What, what was it that Lisa Bevere said about don't lift up the skirt of the bride and expose her? Yeah. In other words, don't lift up the skirt of the bride of Jesus and just point fingers because it's still the bride of Jesus. It's still the hope for the world. It's still the vehicle to reach the world. We're the church. We're not perfect. But we need to stay full of courage. We need to stay full of conviction. And man, we need to stay full of good, godly compassion. Someone say amen. Amen. And understand this, that in our culture, sin is a social issue. But in real spiritual life, sin is an offense to God. Our culture has lost the fear of the Lord. And now years ago, not everyone were believers, but there was still an essence of the fear of the Lord. It's not there in our world now. It is a secular culture. The Bible says where the fear of the Lord is, is where real true wisdom starts. So don't let the world squeeze you into its secular thinking. One of the biggest concerns Pastor Diane and I have is your young people that are growing up And being indoctrinated in our schools, in our universities. It doesn't mean we run from it. But we've got to make sure that our families and our churches are bringing our young people in. And we're teaching them the word of God. We're filling them full of of good godly courage. And that's why you need to be in church. You need to get your young people in church under the word. Because the word of God is seed. And I don't know about your, I don't know if your kids are perfect. Um, Mine aren't. 
But I do know this. They love God. There is see, Sometimes I wonder where it's at, but it's really there. Um, I'll have a moment like, my gosh, you come home, our house is full of worship music. All right, we're doing something right. But we have to make sure that the word of God, now, now listen to this, the word of God is seed. And seed always produces after its own kind. And when they hear the word of God, they're hearing faith, they're hearing these things, the hour that we're in, the things that will produce in their life will be produced after what they're hearing. So your, 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 your kids need to be in a church where they're hearing about faith, they're hearing about courage, they're hearing these things. Now, I, I remember several years ago, I actually worked at this church, and there was a season, um, just because of some things that happened, I was... Um, I ran the day-to-day operations, I ran the youth ministry, I ran the assistant stuff, and I I was over the kids' ministry. I didn't do the kids' ministry, but I was over. So I had a lot on my plate for a while, and we taught, uh, we were teaching in the the kids' classes, it was some Willie George. Anyone remember Willie George Gospel Bill? Anyone ever heard of Gospel Bill? Anyway, okay, that's old school, right? Pastor Willie, but they were teaching about, that's when school violence sort of started coming on the scene. And we were teaching lessons about when you go to school, you trust God that you will be protected and you will be safe no matter what happens. I remember the pastor at that time called me into his office and, and, and said, no, actually called me at home. And he said, I know you wouldn't want this being teached, just giving false hope to our kids. And I said, with all due respect, I said, that's what our kids need to hear. They need to be, have a conviction of faith. And there's obviously some difference in opinions there, but I just had that conviction that we need to put faith in our kids, not fear right now. Truth in our kids, not tolerance right now. These things need, our, 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 not only our kids, we need to keep hearing it because we have a tendency to sway one way or another, and we got to keep under the word. Are you getting something good out of this? I, I put this down here toward the end. It says, truth without love is like a club. And love without truth is powerless. So we need truth and we need love. Amen. So I shared these things to share with you uh, tonight. Before you go to the polls, how you deal with the world around us, I wanted you to hear from Pastor Me tonight. And just because I have a lot of talks with Pastor Diane just about things in the world. Sometimes I get, sometimes I just get, I get a little jacked up, right? Um, I, I have some intense opinions, right? I, I get angry like you do. I, you know, when I go to the pump, I'm like, thank God I'm blessed. Because there's other things I think about, you know. I don't like spending money on gas. I want things that like light up and flash and do things like that, right? Um, so how, how do we handle all these things? How do we handle situations where we, we're watching things in our government and our leadership and things just aren't right and and, 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 and I, I believe what I shared with you tonight is what I have come to a conclusion that God wants us to walk in. That is we stay full of courage. And the only way you can stay full of courage is continuing to hear the words of Jesus over and over and over and over and over. There are moments you have got to turn the news off and get into God's words. And we need to stay full of conviction. I'm not talking about what's relevant today and, and, and secular's opinion and the narrative about God. I mean, this is the word of God. It is breathed by God. Amen? And the Bible said that's what we live on, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. 
That's what I live on. Every word that came out the, comes out of the mouth of God. I don't live on what comes out of the mouth of CNN right. or Wall Street or the Dow Jones. I live by the words that comes out of the, word, the, the mouth of God. That he's a God who's still blessed. Do you know that you can, that you as a believer can live in a world, in a country, in a moment where there's economic crisis around us and you can still be blessed? You can still walk in provision. You can live in a world full of um, sickness and disease and you can still uh, be healed and whole. You can live in a world that's, that is lacking any um, truth and be full of confidence and truth. Not only, I shouldn't say could, you can, I, I will go as far as to say you should. You should. You should. But you got to keep that stirred up, amen? So you need to stay full of what? Number one? What is it, Jimmy? Courage, yeah. He's like, courage. Not only courage, but what? Conviction. And you need to stay full of what? Compassion. Did y'all get something good tonight out of that? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going um, to close out with a worship song and then have some connection. But what, you know what I would like to do? I would like to, you to put your faith with mine. And I want to pray. I want to pray for our church, our community, and our, our country. And then we'll go into a worship song. And, you know, several months ago... I walked up on the stage and I said, here's what I see God doing, is doing this. Anyone remember that Sunday after that? Now, I will tell you, I believe that 100% as much now as I did then. I just wish God would do things when I want him to and exactly how I want him to. But I'm telling you, he's doing, there's a shift and the enemy is fighting it right now. He is fighting it right now. I heard Jesse Duplantis say this recently. He said, there are principalities at work. The thing is, principalities work through personalities. We have, to, we have to really discern what's behind the people and see the plan of the enemy. Amen? But here's what I believe. The Bible says that um, when we pray, the Bible calls it effectual prayer. The effectual prayer makes great power available. Why do we need great power? Great power brings what? Great change. It brings great movement. So I'm going to pray out loud. I want you just to hook your faith up with mine, if you would, and then we'll go into a worship song. So if you, if you love our church, if you love our community, if you love our country, let's just put our faith and believe that um, God could just be God. Amen. Father, I thank you. Thank you, God, that I just, thank you, God, for you. Thank you for your presence and your power and your promises and your truth in our lives. And God, we know there's a lot of volatile things out there vying for our feelings, vying for our thoughts. But God, we stand firmly rooted and grounded on your truth. Firmly rooted and grounded in your love. Firmly rooted and grounded on your words. And God, we hook our faith up at this moment. And God, we pray, first of all, for our church. God, I pray that in this hour, at this moment, at this day, 
people will be drawn to truth. People will be drawn to freedom. People will be drawn to what you're doing here. God, not just for numbers, but so they would be delivered from the chaos, from the confusion that's in the world. God, I pray that we go into a season where we just are able to turn the lights on for people. We're able to expose evil and we're, we're able to reveal truth and we're able to comfort people. And God, that you will save people. You'll deliver people. God, we pray what they prayed in the book of Acts. God, consider their threats and stretch your hand out. Fill us with boldness. Let us declare the word of God boldly and heal through us and do signs and do miracles through us. God, do that through this church. And God, I pray for our community. God, there, there are lots of things going on. There are lots of opposite. There's, there's a spirit of witchcraft happening all around us with drugs and, and all that's attached to that and the power of poverty. And God, we say by the mighty name of Jesus that the power of the devil be restricted. The power of the devil be restrained. Father, we pray that we rebuke the enemy's st strategies and plans. God, we know there are demonic strongholds around us, but there are some good churches in this community and they are strongholds for righteousness. They are strongholds for the glory and the gospel of Jesus. God, I pray that churches around us will be empowered, strengthened. They wouldn't be concerned with relevance. They'd be concerned with the righteous power of God, with truth being exposed. I pray you grow those good churches around us. God, do something in this hour that amazes us. God, you said that the end time reign is going to be greater than the past time reign. And so, God, we say, let your, let your spirit be pulled out. And God, I pray we, we push back evil around us. We break the power of poverty. God, we, we release the power of truth, the power of provision. God, you can change these desperate streets into places of provision and blessing. And God, that's our prayer that it would happen. And God, we pray for our country. God, I pray that you, that you remove, you expose and remove every bit of evil, every bit of lying, every, everything that has erected itself against your work. This country was founded on you. And so God, I know that you're changing and you're rearranging. God, I pray that you would continue to change things, adjust things. But God, in the in-between time, meantime, that you would make the church stronger and stronger and stronger. God, I pray that righteousness would be exalted once again in the United States of America and we wouldn't take for granted again, Lord, the, 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 the opportunity we have to worship, the opportunity we have to gather. God, I pray that you would show up and you would show up uh, show off in our church, our community, and our country. And God, I'm so grateful that your word says, Lord, that, the word, that there will be greater darkness around us, but the light is growing stronger and stronger. And it has never, it is not, and it will never be put out in the mighty, mighty, mighty name of Jesus.